So today is uh, July 16th, 2008. Our message this evening is called Shining. Not the movie The Shining, just Shining. No Jack Nicholson tonight, no Red Room, no nastiness, only goodness. Wasn't that worship good? It was. I love when prophecy moves like that. Friends, I came in here hoping to be able to endure a service. Do you understand what I mean? I came in here just hoping to make it through to the other side. He always does immeasurably more than we could ask for, doesn't he, Lynette? Yeah, baby, you store up those tears. He loves them. God's good. I would not trade the moving of the Spirit for anything in the whole world. I wouldn't do it. I believe He's pleased with our church. I am full of a feeling that He is preparing us for a much bigger moving of His Spirit. I am so full of that feeling that for the first time in a long time, uh, I'm excited in a way that I haven't been since the early days. I mean, I have loved Jesus for a long time now. But I'm tired of telling other people's stories and I'm tired of talking about the glory days as if they were a long time ago. And I think you guys are about to get your own set of stories. I couldn't encourage you enough to come into this place expecting to see something that you've never seen before. Uh, we're going to go to a mission field, but we'll find the same God on the mission field we find right here. The difference is our desperation, our hearts moving. Uh, Gabe, you had a Shalom Bayit testimony, right? Yeah. Uh, tell us. I, I'm sorry. I just rem- He reminded me after worship and I forgot. Come on, isn't that good? I gave several words. I gave several words while you were out, and one I had for you. The Lord God says, whoever he sets free is free indeed, and there will be no place in your life for fear. There is no relapse. There is no relapse. He's healed you and you're healed. So he's jealous for you and he's going to keep all of you. I put all them on the spot too. I just want you to know that. Casey had a word from the Lord for you too. But I'm sorry. I'm just teasing. You know what? I need to start again. Is that okay? It's very hard to edit out a segment like that. And this was for our family. The rest of the world's watching. Love you, Dad. And... Uh, we need to start again just so that we'll have a CD for those who want to hear our, our services. Amen? We'll leave it running. I'll just edit it. So y'all pray with me, okay? Mighty God, we thank You. Lord, we thank You that You catch us by surprise. Lord God, that it's in the midst of our weakness, in our fears and in our tremblings, that You seem to move in the mightiest ways. We thank You that You're close to us, Lord God, when we're weak. Lord, we speak against our own strength now. It can be an idol to us. It can be a snare to us. We wish to dwell in Your strength all the days of our life and not lean on our own arm. In the name of Jesus, we commit our way. Amen. So it's July 16th. It's 2008. Our message this evening is shine. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to preach on. Matthew showed up and while we began speaking today, I believe I got our, our message. Uh, turn with me to Daniel. You'll be in Daniel 12. We couldn't say it enough. How good was God during worship? Awesome, huh? We can walk around in that presence. We can. That word was neat, wasn't it, Patricia? Yeah. Stick close to Patricia. God's going to do neat things there. So you're in Daniel 12? 
You all right there, Judah? I look for good things from that young man, too. Okay, Daniel 12. I promise I am going to get to preaching and stop prophesying and stuff. It's strange when that uh, starts to move, though. Sometimes I look in people's eyes and I see something, and uh, we can do that all night, but we've got lots of church services. I feel like I need to teach you, too. You ready? Daniel 12, starting verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars, forever and ever. There is a day when there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. And he said that the righteous would shine like the brightness of the heavens, that those who lead many to righteousness would shine like stars. Saints, it is an exciting thing to be born again. That should only be rivaled by one other thing in life. Seeing others born again. He said, when you lead many to righteousness, you will shine like the stars in the heavens. Sometimes our Christianity is powerless because it is self-centered. Sometimes what happens to us is we think that God is a personal bless me genie. This is not the case. The blessing of Christianity is multiplying what He has done for us. If you want to shine like the stars in the heavens, we need to make it our goal to lead others into righteousness. Turn with me to Philippians. You'll hang an extreme right. When you get to the Pauline epistles, you'll go Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Then you'll park your brake. Oh, y'all are fast. Fast. Philippians, the second chapter. I wonder if our dear friend, the Apostle Paul, had a commanding knowledge of the book of Daniel. Because he begins to write to the Philippians in the 14th verse. Do everything. You might as well say that with me. Do everything. What does everything leave out? Nothing. Nothing. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. It was not enough that they themselves had been born again. Paul said, in this crooked and perverse generation, you will shine like stars because you hold out the Word of life. Friends, we could meditate on that for a moment. What does it mean to hold out the Word of life? You guys know what it is to be delivered from an empty way of life. You know what it is to have been dead and have your eyes open? My friend Preston Coles said when he got born again, he pulled up a chair and sat behind his own eyes for the first time, but he could see. I know what he meant. He said he took a shower and he knew that he was clean, but not with the water and the soap. We hold out the Word of life. That means that in our hands, God has placed the lives of other people because we hold it out. We need to offer other people what we have. And this is not just preaching. It's not just Word. How many of you were saved simply because of something you heard? If you were, you're a shallow person. I've heard lots of things. Lots of beautiful songs, poems, movies. Lots has come through this eye gate. Lots has come through this ear gate. Holding out the Word of life is living and preaching and loving. And people see it and they go, my God, there's life there and I need it. If you don't do it, what are we the same as? It's the same as if you held out death. To know the power of Christ 
and of His resurrection and know that it transforms us from head to toe and toe to head. And not offer it everywhere that we go. It's the same as issuing a death sentence to people. Somebody slaps your face, they might be slapping your face to see whether or not you have life. The rest of the world is paralyzed. Going through life, they don't even know how they got to work. They don't know why they're working. They buy more stuff to impress people that they don't like and that don't like them. And in it, there is no joy. Maybe you were insulted the last time you were insulted because they were trying to see if you were alive. If there was still feeling in there somewhere. They're waiting for us to hold out life. They're waiting for us to hold out life, saints. Missions is not just for Mexico. It's not just for China. Your neighbor can go to hell just as much as anybody in a foreign land. We're supposed to hold out life. I want us to hold out life. Y'all say that with me. Hold out life. I want to be a lighthouse. The earliest prophecies about Jennifer and I was that our family would rise to be a lighthouse for the saving of many. And I hadn't forgot them. I hadn't always lived them, but I haven't forgot them. That's what God desires of us. Turn with me to James. You'll make a left from where you're at. I lied. You'll make a right. You had one of those British Bibles. They drive on the wrong side of the road. Sorry, Debbie. Oh, she's in the back. Good. <laughs> James 2. You in James 2? Yes, Good. Hold your finger there because we're going to Philemon. We are coming back to James 2, but we're going to Philemon first. Philemon's right before the book of Hebrews. It hides on one page. Some people like to say Philemon. I don't care how you say it. I want you to live it. Tell me when you're in Philemon, holding your finger in James. I could not say this one enough. If there was a thesis tonight, this would be it. Verse 4, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. He heard about their love for the saints. How do you hear about an emotion? He must have seen something. Well, what's this next verse say? Because it's the important one. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full and complete understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. It is when we share what God has given us that we begin to understand all the good things that He's given us. He did not give you something to bottle it and put it on a shelf. It is to be poured out. Your lives are to be a drink offering, poured out for the forgiveness of many. This is what our Master did. It's what we must do. If your life feels dry, if it feels powerless, if you don't think you're experiencing the abundant life, go pour yourself out. You wonder if they will listen? You wonder what good it will do? Start at a bus stop. Go find a bum on the side of the road. Get in an elevator. I for a long time taught you not to trap people with the gospel, not to make it a scheme, not to make it a sales pitch. I never meant to inoculate you from the need to share your faith. You cannot understand the goodness of what God has done for you if you are not sharing it with other people. Faith comes by hearing, saints. And you know what? You need to hear the Word of God, but you know what else you need to hear? The Word of God spoken through your own lips. You will never feel so good as when you stand in a group of people and you know that you know that you know the words were not your own. So while I'm waiting for the right opportunity, well, you probably missed five today. Our God desires us to share our faith. Paul prayed for this man to be active. And he said in a roundabout way that the blessing would be his. He would then understand every good thing God was doing for him. What does that mean if you are inactive in sharing your faith? You cannot understand the good things God has done for you. That's an amazing thing. 
I've recently read about sheep. It is not possible to beat them, to herd them. So I've made up my mind not to beat you today. The way that you lead sheep is you walk in front of them, leading them by example. This is my goal. It's my mission. But I want to tell you there is a secret. There is a secret to good Christian living. We need to be active in sharing our faith. Now go to James. You should just flip to where your finger is. What does it mean to share our faith? Well, when I was a kid, I memorized the Roman road to salvation because that's what they taught me in Christian witness training. I was not a Christian, but I was trained to be a Christian witness. There's nothing wrong with the Roman road to salvation. Many, many people have been born again following that pattern. What's wrong is to put square wheels on something that's dynamic so that it can't move. Sharing our faith is not a matter of words. It takes words, but it is not a matter of words. How many people have told you in your life that they love you or that they're praying for you and you knew they were liars? How many times have you told somebody, man, I'm, how you doing? And you didn't care. It's it's just speech. It's just empty words. One of my favorite movies, my daddy's home watching tonight, is The Outlaw Josie Wales. And out of all of the movies, one of my favorite parts of that movie is Chief Ten Bears and his wisdom. He said that the blue coats offered nothing but empty words. What he meant was they didn't do anything that they said they would do. Nothing. It is not a matter of words to share your faith. Well, what then is it a matter of? In James 2, I think we find this answer. Starting in the 14th verse. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. I believe that to share our faith, saints, we need to be willing to speak yes. But more than that, we must be willing to act. I just read a book about a brother named Yoon. Yoon was in prison many, many times. Reading about him made me embarrassed of my Christian life. It hurt. It reduced me to tears several times. I got out of my bed and got on my face and asked God to forgive me for leading such a selfish Christian life. One of the things that I was most impressed with Yoon is maybe on his fifth imprisonment for preaching the gospel, and this time in a country other than China. He was in Burma, or now they want to call it Myanmar. He couldn't speak the language and he didn't know what to do. So he began loving the people that were in the cell, 100 of them. No room to lay down. Slept standing up, propped against walls or each other. They beat prisoners who were sick because they were an annoyance and woke people up at night. Yoon began taking care of those prisoners, feeding them, giving them his ration of food, washing them with his water, giving them water. Yoon didn't know the Burmese language, but he did know how to sing a song that he made up in the jail cell that he called Hallelujah. And he noticed after a period of weeks that they began singing the song with him. And because Burma was primarily Buddhist, there was a shrine in the jail cell to Buddha. But at the time when people were forced to pray to Buddha by the guards, they instead sang with Yun. The prison guards were angry and went and got the warden. But the warden was so pleased that they were not killing each other anymore and trying to kill the guards that he set up a chapel for Yun. And without ever speaking one word of the Burmese language, 
he converted 12 men in a cell of 100. Our actions have to be as much a part of sharing our faith with the world as our words. And in America, we are often long on words and short on actions. The next car wash we do, so help me God, will be free for the people that come and no donations will be accepted because it's simply a way to share our faith. It's a way to show someone that we love them and that we care without a hidden motive or agenda. I believe God wants to do something special with our church. I think He brought me from Louisiana to Texas and planted me in the center of church row here because He wanted to do something unique. I am no longer discouraged by what I see in the other churches. And I no longer have a desire to speak or set us up against them. All I really want to do is figure out a way to be active in sharing what Jesus has done for me. And I believe in doing this, we will shine like stars. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, I usually don't have to fight off tears, but something happened to me in worship today. And uh, I believe God moves through broken and contrite hearts. There is an awful lot of us in the gospel that we usually preach. I find there is great power in telling stories that you are not the hero of and letting God be glorified in your weakness. Nobody can relate to you if you share only the highest moments of your life and God is great in the highest moments of your life. Every human being can relate to you when you tell them how God rescued you in the lowest moments of your life. One is a facade that says, I am spiritual. And the other one is the truth and it says, I am nothing, but He is everything. In 2 Corinthians 9, starting in the 12th verse, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. The obedience that accompanies your confession. It is not enough, saints, to have words only. We must be active in sharing our faith, and faith is your deeds and your words working together. Then it is not enough to will to do good things and desire to talk about good things. There must be an obedience that accompanies our confession. You cannot look at somebody and say, Jesus died for my sins and forgave me and He'll do the same for you if you won't do the same for them. It is so easy to say that we will. It is so easy to say that we will. Well, we sit on our couches and ignore the phone calls of somebody who needs to talk to you. Because it's an inconvenience. I don't want to beat up the sheep. I'm one of them. Many times our Christianity has just been way too selfish. We're pleased as a church if we can help a single family in a year. That ought to be the standard for a day. We're pleased with ourselves if we lead somebody to the Lord in a year. That ought to be the standard for a day. I've often said be on duty everywhere that you go. But the reason we are not being flooded with testimonies about people that are falling down in Walmart and getting saved is because in my preaching and teaching that we're on duty wherever we go and that you don't have to go on witnessing campaigns, that your life is a witness we've forgotten to witness. Since I'm looking forward to the days again when young men and women and old men and women 
will do the zealous, foolish things that Matthew and I did in the beginning. We opened our Bibles. We believed that it was true. We carried guitars and Bibles and we went and we just started talking to people. And when we were not on a witnessing campaign, in our workplaces, we didn't care whether it was okay to talk about Jesus or not. We would consider it glory if we got fired for doing it. We didn't care whether or not it was offensive to other people. The people standing next to me in my workplace didn't care that it was offensive to me that they praised their gods with four-letter words and I did not care if they found it offensive that I praised my God. So I did everywhere that I went. And most of the people that you've heard stories about got saved during that time period in my life. Well, it's time again. We grow up. We learn things. And we become very wise in our own eyes. But in all of your calculations, you cannot calculate out the need to be active in sharing your faith. I'm not placing upon you a quota. I'm placing upon you a lifestyle that says you must live for the benefit of other people. I asked Mandy to pray for me yesterday because I've had this strep throat thing going on for a few days and shaking with fever. She says, okay, I'll pray for you, but first let me go get everybody else. We work with several backslidden Jews, several backslidden denominational Christians, and one or two that might be genuine. They're just in the very beginning of their faith. They could be watching now, and I don't care who's offended. But her heart's desire was, yes, I will pray for you, but let's do it in front of everybody. We want that thing. Christianity does not have to be as polite as we've made it. Do you understand what I mean? Christianity does not have to be as polite as we've made it. The world is abrasive, abrupt, and rude. I'm not suggesting that you be any of those things. But the righteous, the Bible says, are as bold as lions. As bold as lions. As bold as lions. Why do we care so much what other people think anyway? We say we don't, but then we worry about their feelings when we speak. I'm done. In our church founding, I did something different than I have ever done. I backed off of preaching about the baptism in the Holy Ghost because I wanted to see what God would do. And in some ways, I think it provided a chance for people to heal. For people that had come out of bad situations to see that you could be loved without expectations being placed on you. And I'm thankful for that. But I can tell you, I'm done with that. When we started our church, I purposed in my heart not to call people out of the audience. I've done it for years before we started our church. Because I wanted to see. I wanted to give people a chance to respond without such compulsion. I'm done with that. The righteous are to be as bold as lions. As bold as lions. Usto kept saying lambs are sheep. I don't know whether you caught it, but he asked me, do you have a church of lambs or sheep? You know what he's asking? He's saying, are they immature or are they mature? How many of you want to be known as immature? None of us, right? Be bold as lions for Jesus and He will grow you up. He will grow you up. You know why? You will come into conflict with every cult. You will come into conflict with every possible weird strain of Christianity. You will come into conflict with sickness. You will come into conflict with everything that the world can throw at you to shut you up and tame you. The world is trying to tame us. I'm telling you today, I refuse to be tamed. There needs to be an obedience that accompanies our confession. Can you all say amen? amen? Can we pledge to be obedient to what we've confessed? Yes. Okay, then confess it. Bold as lions. Bold as lions. There's nothing in me that is militant. There's not. I won't go put on army fatigues and dance around as the army of the Lord or any of that. If you do it, great. I love you. Go do it. I won't do it. But I can tell you, I can be bold as a lion in my love. 
I can refuse to shut up when others want me to if I see it's going to benefit someone. Turn with me then to Hebrews 6. I'm not going to preach much longer, but I'm also through with caring about that. I hate to say it, but it's good to get sick every now and then. I read 347 pages in the last 24 hours because I couldn't get out of bed. Every once in a while, God seems to allow me to get knocked on my back so He can get my attention. And I'm glad for that. You know, in Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6, verse 9. By the way, thank you, Steve, for the book. You should all go buy the book, The Heavenly Man, period. There's no words in it that you can't understand. There's nothing in it that wouldn't bless you. And for some of you, it will be hard to read. It will be hard to stomach. You'll want to put it down. You'll want to walk away, much like you don't want to watch the movie Passion of the Christ. Force yourself. Your flesh needs to die a little bit so that your spirit man can grow. In uh, Hebrews 6, verse 9, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case. Things that accompany salvation. (laughs) Something has to accompany salvation. I was told I simply walk the aisle, get the donut. You know, something must something must accompany your salvation. God is not unjust; He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him, as you have helped His people and continue to help them. God will not forget the love you have shown Him, as you have helped His people. When we are active in sharing our faith, we are helping God by helping His people. We don't view it that way. We view it as helping each... In fact, sometimes it's hard to let somebody help you. Our pride gets in the way. No, no, brother, look, I'll pay for that at my next payday. Don't you worry about it. Dude, I'm trying to help God, and you're the only God's people I can help right now. Let me help you. I want to do something for God, and that means I need to do it for you. Are you in His body or not? You are? Good. Well, I'm doing it for Him. Shut up and take it. Smell it, smell it, now take it. When we do something for God's people, we're doing something for God. If we can get that into us, you know what you will want to do? Things for God's people. Now, who are God's people? Whosoever shall call on His name, and how do you know if you don't call? How do you know if you don't offer it? How do you know if you don't hold it out? Oh, there's one more verse in Hebrews we need to read. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. That is an amazing verse for me. You know why? Because I set a blazing, furious, furious pace in the first few years. In fact, the God's honest truth is at 33 years old, I probably do not possess the physical stamina that is necessary to keep up with the pace that Matthew and I set when we were 18. Glory to God, it doesn't depend upon my strength. It depends upon His power, His power which works so effectively in me if I yield to it. This is how Modus, Modus, Moses at 80 could do the work of God and at 120 not have diminished any. Turns me to Jeremiah 23. I'm going to try not to say it. I'm going to try to let Jeremiah say it, but I am curious to see if you'll get it. If I look in your eyes and don't see you get it, then I'll be forced to explain it. But I'm going to try just to let Jeremiah say it. You ready? So it's Jeremiah saying it, right? In Jeremiah 23, the 16th verse. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, The Lord says, 
you will have peace. Just love your brother. And to all who follow their stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord, or to see or to hear His word? Who has listened and heard His word? See, the storm of the Lord will burst forth or burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until He fully accomplishes the purposes of His heart. In the days to come, you will understand it clearly. I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and deeds. Three or four, you got it. So I'm going to tell you the rest. When you hear preaching, when you hear teaching, no matter how polished, no matter how pretty, no matter how palatable, if it is not turning people from evil deeds and evil ways, it's not what God's counsel gave them. And friends, it is everywhere. <clears throat> My goal is to turn us from evil deeds and evil ways. And the two examples that he gives are, oh, be at peace. God's with you. He'll bless everything he wants, everything you want. This church will not preach that. So if that's the message you want, we're on church row. Our aim will be to turn each and every one of us from evil deeds in evil ways. That's called teshuba, repent. And you turn from an evil deed, what's the opposite of an evil deed? Righteous deed. What's the opposite of an evil way? A righteous way. So our lives better be full of righteous ways and righteous deeds. You know what we could call that? Being active and sharing our faith. I need this message as much as any person in this room. There's no question. I confess that right up front. I will hold you accountable and I will expect you to hold me accountable. I don't want anybody to leave this church. But I can tell you we will not tiptoe through the tulips about this anymore. We will call selfishness selfishness. We will call pride pride. And we will call righteousness righteousness. This is what God has called us. I sat in the counsel of the Lord today. And this is what He told me. So this is where we're going. It's the flight our church is on. <clears throat> may not be your flight. Maybe you're on the wrong plane. I don't think so. I think God brought each one of you here. But we're about to buckle in our seatbelts no matter how rough it gets because God's preparing our church for revival. Yeah. Turn with me to Luke 1. I have two scriptures for you. I told an elder, uh, we'll just tell you because we only have one actual elder in our church. I told Steve. We have, we have several that are more like advisory uh, elders in our church that I count on. My in-laws and my parents are great at something. They remember when I was just a dumb kid. And so it's profitable for me to ask them to speak into my life what they see. So I ask for that from time to time. And I'm thankful that they love me enough to be truthful. Uh, Steve and his wife Darnell function in the role of elder. And as I began speaking with Steve yesterday, I dumped an awful lot of things on him. So be glad if you don't have the role elder uh, because it's probably laborious uh, at times. But as I began speaking to Steve about this, I finally kind of came to the point. Y'all know me, I'm a preacher, I ramble. So I began telling Steve how I felt about how the cow was eating the cabbage and the whole cabbage patch and every cow I'd ever known, and then I realized, Steve, what I'm trying to say is, 
our church is headed for something. It's headed for a moving of God and I feel like I need to cross every T and I need to dot every I. It's time to get it all right. And that seemed to agree with him. All I can tell you, church, is I'm excited. There are good things in store for most of us. There really, really are. I believe with all of my heart that the envy that I feel at the moving of God in other places is a godly envy because I think He desires to do it here and what He's doing is preparing our hearts for it now. I'm not envious in that I don't want them to have the moving of God. I'm just asking the Lord of hosts to spread it around a little because we're His people too and we need Him. In fact, because of our affluence, in some ways we need Him more. We don't realize our need. Look at Luke 1. I want to talk to you about sharing our faith. What's the word say about John the Baptist? Does not it say that there was not a man born of a woman any greater than John the Baptist? Tell me if I'm lying. Not lying. Not a man born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. Except those who are in the kingdom of God. Those who are in the kingdom of God outshine John. But out of everybody born of a woman, nobody was greater than John. Lots of people could have been as equal, nobody greater. I want you to see why that title is given him. In Luke 1, 15, we hear his call. Y'all in Luke 1, 15? We're going to skip up some. 14. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of His birth. For He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Great in the sight of the Lord. Great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will He bring back to the Lord their God. And He will go on before the Lord in spirit, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. When we serve God's people, we are serving God. When we teach through our lifestyles, When we are active in sharing our faith, we are preparing a people for the Lord. John was great in the Lord's sight because like the book of Daniel said, he would lead many to righteousness. John never did a miracle. Not a single miracle recorded in all of the Word. And the Lord said he was great. Why do you have an opportunity to outshine John? His ministry was six months long. How long have you been Christians? Anybody in here been a Christian less than six months? John turned a whole nation. A whole nation. The disobedient to the wisdom of righteousness. says we're going to take on a new mission. We're going to witness through our deeds. Now, I'm going to add a caveat. I have spent years teaching that I would rather you do things than say things. I've learned something. I want you to do both. I want you to do both. I want you to wash people's cars, then tell them why. I want you to cut people's grass, and then tell them why. I want you to do kind things for people, and then tell them why. In the past, I said it wasn't even necessary. It's necessary. Do both. Bold is lions. Here comes your last scripture. It's in the book of James. You've already been there once tonight, so it ought to be easy to find. I want you to think about Hebrews while we're turning to James. Can you do that? That's like walking and chewing gum at the same time. Can you think about Hebrews while we turn to James? Who can do that? Good. In Hebrews, we read that God, or serving God, loving God's people was like helping God. And he said, I want you to show the same diligence 
that you showed in the beginning. When you first got born again, didn't you want to tell somebody? Yeah, talk to me. When you first got born again, did you want to tell somebody? In fact, you felt compelled to, didn't you? Felt like you'd be cheating in some way if you didn't. Like you'd be hiding something under a bushel. What's changed about God since then? What's changed about us since then? It's not the newest thing happening in our life anymore. Maybe we need to get before God and renew ourselves again. I preached to you about being a bond servant, having your ear pierced at the doorway. The heart of the message is not serving God out of obligation, but out of love. You didn't go tell everybody you got born again because you thought God was going to kill you if you didn't. You did it because He had done something good for you and you wanted everybody to know. Has He done more or less for you in the year since you've been saved than the first day you got saved? I'd venture to say more. Let's get busy. Look what James says. Actually, I need to turn to James. Sometimes I talk to you and don't do what I told you to do. Bad preacher. James 5. Nineteen. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. We heard hold out the word of life. If we don't bring back people who are sinning, if we don't fight for them, if we don't go and speak to them, even though they've heard it a thousand times before, we leave them in death and we leave them covered in a multitude of sin. Is that how your Lord left you? No, no it's not. So we're going to stand as a church here in a minute. We're going to join hands. We're going to ask God to light the fire of evangelism in our hearts. I've spent now several years discipling, building into you things that you now have to teach other people. The time started. We cannot be so selfish as to take everything that we've learned and just sit on it. We can't do it. We need to enter into the phase of our church life where new people are in here every week. You know why? Because they go to hell. They go to hell and we have to care. It's no longer about, well, we need to build a church. It's no longer about, well, our church is better than that church. It's no longer about where ours is not boring and yours is boring. What we need to care about is that we're holding out the Word of life. And if you leave people to their own ways, they go to hell. One word of caution. As I say this, when you are talking to somebody and you feel the anointing and Jesus comes there in power and you know that He's there in power and they're receptive, don't you look at them and say, I don't care where you go to church. Just go to church. Don't do it. We've been too polite about that too long. Do you think it matters where you go to church, saints? Yeah, it definitely does. Why do you think God has you in that position talking to them? Because He wants them here. Okay? I am jealous for more disciples. Sick of teaching you all the same things. Let's go find some new people. Stand to your feet. The title of this message was Shine. Lights shine the brightest and the darkest of places. So don't be scared. Do you hear me? Fear shall not be your master. Perfect love drives out fear. Speak the loudest and the boldest in the darkest places. you hear me? Church people are the hardest to disciple. I'd much rather lost people. Church people will come in here and judge me for the way that I dress. They will judge you for the way that you sing, the way that you clap, the way that you get on your knees or stand, or the way you show reverence or don't show reverence. And a weird denominational spirit will try to split us all up into little groups. You need to shine the brightest in the darkest of places. And when you are speaking with somebody that has accepted a weak, dead Christianity, tell them so. Quit being so polite. 
some of you young men when you met me. How difficult was it to hear what I said to you? But you're still here, aren't you? Quit being so polite. This gospel is offensive, but it's the fragrance of life to people who need it. Can y'all be through with political correctness? Can you not? Uh, has an HR rep in your lifetime ever come by, handcuffed somebody, and shot them in the back of the head for mentioning Jesus at work? Well, then in all of your suffering, you've not yet had to shed blood for the gospel. Why don't we put them to the test? Talk about Jesus wherever you go. Grab the hand around you. Let's pray. Now, sometimes you pray like you pray over a meal. You know, it's just kind of what we have to do before we go. Sometimes we pray, you know, dear Lord, heal the sick person. I want you to do something different tonight. I want you to pray that God will give us the lost. I want these people that work around us, this neighborhood, the food town, the people that live around us, the people Joe works with, the people that Lindsay works with, the people Brad will work with. I want those people. And I'm no longer shy about it. I want them. You've had your chance to sit here and just get stuffed. It's somebody else's turn to sit next to you. And you'll get a chance to stuff them too. Let's pray. Holy, holy God, we're asking you. We're asking for the lost and inheritance. Lord, we believe in the importance of discipleship. We believe, mighty God, that obedience is necessary to accompany our confession of faith. Mighty God, we believe you. We believe that you heal. We believe that you teach, that you save, that you deliver. Lord God, as my witness, I don't just want a bigger church, Lord. I don't want people to go to hell. Lord, teach us to hold out Your Word of life. Teach us to speak. Teach us to act indeed in a way that will draw people to this place that they might hear Your Word. That they might turn from their ways. Holy God, if You will entrust us with lives, mighty God, we will be obedient. We're asking that You would give them to us now. Lord, we raise our hands before You and we say, clean us, purify us, that You might use us. We want everybody in Fourth Ward, Lord God. We want everybody in this neighborhood. We want everybody in Sugar Land. Mighty God, we want those precious metals You spoke to us about. We want to form their lives. Mighty God, we want You to be able to raise up ministries from our midst for the glory of Your kingdom. Holy God, as a church, we ask You now, We ask You for a spirit of evangelism to fall upon us. Not on one of us. Not on two of us. Lord God, upon all of us. In the name of Jesus, we ask and say, Amen. Bold as lions. Well, let's go out then. they got somebody out there prancing around like a lion. He's not. He's not. He's prancing around like a lion, but he's not. We are. Let's go run him out of his territory. Let's take it from him and see people safe.